you are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where industry leaders, regulators, and lovers of cannabis gather collectively to move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Professionals and Canacurious alike can tune in to hear leading cannabis experts share and discuss headlines, critical industry issues, social topics, and more. The State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Hi, and welcome to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we bring you all the top stories you need to know and talk about them for four minutes and 20 seconds. We are a group of experts in different cannabis spaces with a wide diversity of perspectives and life experiences. Our news is bite-sized and infused with a nice mix of facts, opinions, and a pinch of humor. It's Friday, April 8th, 2022. This is episode number 254. I'm Susan Sores, the founder of the State of Cannabis News Hour, author of the children's book, What's Growing in Grandma's Garden, and Cannabis's Favorite Grandma, aka Nanogram. If you're listening to the podcast or watching on the YouTube channel, the show is live every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Clubhouse. Spark it up with us and over 29,000 State of Cannabis News Hour members if you want to be an audience participant. Otherwise, please subscribe to support our show. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Today we're talking about Elon Musk is going to light up Twitter's board meetings, sneaky new federal drug testing law, a study about people using mushrooms, a 14-year-old Texan getting help from cannabis for seizures, the DEA declares cannabis seeds are legal, yeah, and many other frosty nuggets. So stay tuned for the full 60 minutes of the State of Cannabis News Hour. The following program contains coarse language and nudity. Viewer discretion is advised. Audience, feel free to raise your hands if you want to weigh in on a headline after it's been read, and we'll try to bring you up to the stage. Keep it brief and relevant, or you might get the gong. Kicking off the show today is Rico Lamite. He likes to ask the tough questions that the mainstream media refuses to ask. The self-proclaimed dopest dad alive is here to encourage other dope dads. Find him on TEDx or at one of his Cannavision events, but always find him here every weekday at the State of Cannabis News Hour. What you got today, Rico? Oh, yeah. Mine's coming. Uh, was first reported by This Is Money UK. Elon Musk raised eyebrows with joke about smoking cannabis at Twitter's next board meeting. Elon Musk, the world's wealthiest man, maybe ever, uh, depending on what day of the week it is and if you choose not to believe Mansa Musa ever existed, is making headlines once again for ruffling stiff-ass feathers for a divisive uh, tweet posted yesterday afternoon. The Tesla CEO shared the infamous old meme photo taken of him when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast smoking weed and drinking liquor. Also talked about on that podcast episode, how he sold his company at the end of the 90s, leading to Twitter getting its own edit button. Earlier in the week, Musk acquired 9.2% stake in the social media giant, 73.5 million shares, making him the single largest shareholder in the company, with voting power of uh, just uh, just under 3 million. The The stock bounced up 29% as a result. And last week, Musk said that he was going to be creating a Twitter alternative, but days later, he was appointed to the board after gobbling up his piece of the pie. He probably saw how well creating an alternative worked out for former, former President Donald Trump and decided he's got enough change in the piggy bank just to buy the damn thing and proceed to do it in it and saying what the fuck he wants to say on the platform. Per Benzinga's reporting, yesterday the billionaire first tweeted a meme of himself pushing a domino by selling his City Guide software company in 1999 for $305 million, which then escalated into Twitter finally getting an edit button. Later on, he posted on the um, he posted the high Elon meme with the caption, Twitter's next board meeting is going to be lit. 2019, when this incident originally happened, he apologized to the Tesla and SpaceX boards, both companies headed by himself as well. Um, he caught a little bit of heat for making the off-color joke after former Tesla employee called him out saying that she was fired for consuming cannabis off the clock. After apologizing, he was quoted saying, SpaceX personnel may not use or possess any controlled substance while in the workplace and also may not be under the influence of legal or illegal drugs while at work. Anyone who appears to be inebriated or under the influence while at work is subject to drug testing and potentially other employment actions, end quote. This is one of those stories where you're going to have people divided on um, the choice to post 
the meme and if it was in good taste. I think what people are ignoring is the fact that he bought 9% of the company because he thought the platform was being too heavy-handed on censorship. I think it's a very important move, uh, very important and smart move by Mr. Musk, not only to trigger the thin-skinned critics uh, as a troll king he's well-known to be on a regular basis, but also to jumpstart the conversations he wants to have in those board meetings going forward now that he's got such much, uh, so much power there. Um, and please don't forget to follow the money when shit like this goes down and you see silly headlines with celebrities and uh, corporations and billionaires involved. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this was nothing more than another smoke smokescreen put up by the green energy boss to distract investors from chaos and selling elsewhere. SpaceX launched its first all-human private space mission today after NASA announced they'd be working with other uh, competing exploratory uh, firms a few days ago. And the company also said they'd be delivering 5,000 Starlink satellite internet terminals to Ukraine. Tesla announced the opening of their Texas Gigafactory and much-anticipated Cybertruck will be going into production next year. Neither companies have official marketing teams, so Musk has been known to do wild shit like this on social media to draw attention to himself when eyeballs are needed to either be on or away from his business dealings. This is Rico Lamit, dope as dad on the street, reporting for State of Cannabis News Hour. I'd like to hear what the rest of the team has to say about Elon Musk and his uh, weed-smoking jokes. You know, Rico, I think the biggest thing about this article is that we realize that these platforms are owned by people and therefore influenced by people. And when we're viewing and being fed things, or whether it's on the gram or Twitter or whatever, just know that you're being manipulated. Like a lot of money and smarts are going into keeping your eyeballs trained on these devices and the messages that those who own 9% flowing Right. This is not a news source. Facebook is not a news source. Twitter is not a news source. We have to do research and we have to listen to podcasts like this where people are at least commenting and chopping it up about the news, not just feeding us bite sized blurbs that they want us to hear. Exactly. And um, it's, it's very important that we discuss stuff like this from all angles. And that's why I love what we do here at the State of uh, Cannabis News Hour. We have conservatives. We got uh, liberals on the team. We got people in between, people who give a fuck as well. And we all come together for this communal plant because it's magic and we need to move forward. I, I mean, I just cannot wait for Twitter to give all of the accounts back that it has censored uh, in, the, in the, the light of the free speech woke era. I'm really excited to see who gets their Twitter back and let's make tweets mean again. Are you talking about, uh, you talking about your boy, uh, 47, <laughs> 40, 40, you mean, 40, you mean 45 and 47. I mean, there's a whole host of people that had their Twitter platforms deleted. And so I'm, I'm excited to see how many of them get them back, but I'm definitely pretty sure that, that president Trump is definitely going to get his Twitter back. You mean the worst president in American history wants his, wants his Twitter back? Yeah. hundred percent. should get his Twitter back. That's, because it's, because he, that, was, platform, that was the campaign promise. That's what you guys don't no, all the, the, pla- the platform that he tried to make that to compete with Twitter is trash. Nobody wants to fucking join it's it. It's not even, it's not even up yet. It's not even like online. Yeah, like because it kept on yet. crashing the whole fucking first day. It, was, it kept on crashing. Nobody could get on and, and even post anything. Even yeah, why didn't, Elon, why didn't Elon invest in that? If he wants to bring, I'm not going to say it, somebody back, then <laughs> why, didn't, why, why, didn't, why didn't he invest in that? I really hope that doesn't happen, Jason. There's a reason. Like, I believe in free speech, but then at one point, it's like, you know, yeah, it's like, that's why we just, you know what? Let him have it back. We have to just educate the public that we need to start to filter out this noise because when you have people that have this platform saying crazy shit, that's how you have democracy falling apart. And we just all have to be aware of it because we can stop it as right. a people. We don't need to wait for these leaders to stop it. hundred percent right, Guy. If no one, if no one, uh, if no one drank the Kool Aid, no, no one would make any. And if you don't feed the trolls, they go away, people. Well said, Liz. You're trying to get in. I just wanted to say, well said, Guy. And um, you know, first off, this picture is hilarious. Rico, you bring up so many good points, but I'm just going to try to take it that maybe Twitter is going to be the next place to advertise cannabis, that we can just be pro-cannabis. So maybe? I don't know. They're act- That's a big they're, shit. Yeah, nice. they're actually uh, one of the um, the top-rated social media platforms for cannabis companies. Um, they have a lot less censorship than anywhere else. Um, I know like uh, Clubhouse. LinkedIn and um, Twitter, I believe, are the top three rated social media platforms for cannabis users. Major platforms. Christopher and Guy, if you wanted to make your final point, then we'll move on. All set. Thanks. You good, Guy? Uh, Me too.
Okay, cool. All right. Well, up next is co-producer Jason Beck. His provocative spin keeps the show popping. He has proven to be one of the most resilient players in the weed game since starting his first store in San Francisco. What you got today, Jason? Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Susan. Today, my story, it comes out of Kentucky. That's right. Kentucky, where Governor Bashir hints at a possible executive order on medical cannabis if the latest bill fails. That's right. If a bill legalizing medical marijuana doesn't reach his desk, Governor Andy Bashir says he's ready to consider taking action himself to give some ailing Kentuckians access to medical cannabis. The Democratic governor's comments Thursday reflected his growing frustration as the latest medical marijuana bill is currently stalled in the Senate. Asked, asked if, he, if he could potentially issue an executive order making medical cannabis accessible, um, if the bill dies, the governor told reporters, we're going to explore that. It's something that we all look at. He said, it's time. It's time certainly has come. But the governor called on lawmakers to send him a bill that would allow Kentucky to join the majority of states that have legalized medical cannabis. The high profile Kentucky measure cleared the House on a 59 to 34 vote last month, but it has made no headway in the Senate. Republicans have supermajorities in both chambers, and the bill would strictly regulate the use of cannabis for a list of eligible medical conditions. Bashir said the measure has overwhelming support among Kentuckians. It says, you, you see people from every part of the spectrum that are all in favor of this bill, he, Bashir said. The bill's prospects appear to be bleak in the Senate, however. Senate President Robert Stivers said Thursday that it would be difficult to pass the measure once lawmakers reconvene next week for the final two days of this year's 60-day 60, 60 discussion. Instead, Stivers touted another pending bill that would create a cannabis research center at the University of Kentucky to study the use of cannabis to treat certain medical conditions. He says, most definitely, I think there is that desire to help individuals, Stiver said, but with any drug, I think you need to have the full-blown studies. Those studies are the state's flagship university, which shed more light on the medical cannabis and therapeutic values of marijuana, the Senate leader told reporters. And he also says that would give us the impetus to come back maybe within a year and say, this is what cannabis could be used for and not be used for, Stiver said. Well, I'll tell you what, Kentuckians, you, this is a, a lot of progress from where you guys have been in the past. I encourage the governor to explore all options, although I do believe in your state constitution. It does not allow for an executive order. So I'm hoping that we can lobby more of these Republicans and get them on the, the side of the God's green plant. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. No one has a comment about Mitch McConnell, Kentucky? His Nothing? name is Marijuana Mitch, Susan. Sorry. I don't know Governor Bashir's background, but I do think it was great that he did seem to consider the patients. Maybe there's more behind it. I'm sure there's money, but I did think it was nice that he was saying this. Hopefully there's actually teeth there. Governor with balls. I wish the Texas governor had done the same when uh, when something was headed to his desk and got hijacked by the lieutenant governor. So that props to Kentucky. Just hold on, Stone. Just hold on tight. There is something coming to Texas, but it just is it's still caught up in the clouds. I'm holding, Jason. I'm holding. Just hold it. It's on its way, I promise. Is it still loading through the starlight, the Starlink system or whatever up in the cloud? Sometimes you just have to wait for the stars to align until you can see the hemisphere. <laughs> what? <laughs> the boof? The boof fest? No, no, no. No boof fest. We're trying to, you know, try, we got to stop this Delta A drama. Come on, Rico. The boof? You said the boof? Boof? You're going to need a boof fest? We love our audience. Yes, we do. Let's keep it moving. So in an industry full of folks on both sides of the aisle seeming to aim lower and lower, our next correspondent's hitting the high road. That's right. He's the host and co-creator of new show with Sensi Mag. He's a secret of truth. He's one of my fellow dope dads, and he's a huge activist coming out of the great state of Texas, Mr. Stone Slade. What you got for us today, my man? Thank you, Rico. And I want to throw a trigger warning for anybody that is hungry. Eating weed has come so far from the early days of unknown and unpredictable potency of pot brownies and cookies. I'm talking about measured doses of cannabis teas, honeys, and other custom edibles with ingredients lists that will make the most serious foodies drool. In many states where cannabis is legal, this really isn't news, and dispensaries and entrepreneurs are making great money selling the stuff, but this story takes place in New York, where we all know the state made legal cannabis, I mean, excuse me, cannabis legal last year, but is still working on the licensing and frame to get the licensing and framework in place. 
That hasn't deterred some of the cannabis kitchen wizards who are refining their recipes to create THC-infused versions of just about any food imaginable and, and are willing to share their expertise. For example, there's Emily Kyle, a registered dietitian, and her chef husband, Phil Kyle, who co-founded Ember Woodfire Grill in Livonia. Emily provides nutritional expertise and education, while Phil creates the couple's cannabis recipes. Kyle says there's really strict regula regulations on what dispensaries can sell as edibles, and it's very limited right now, pretty much just the gummies and chocolates that you see, and many medical patients can't eat, the, can't eat those because of the sugars and other added ingredients. This healthy eaten can of kitchen couple offer a wide variety of uh, infused goodies from a bowl of fruit granola drizzled with, uh, and yogurt drizzled with THC infused honey or a spring salad with strawberry weed vinaigrette to the more savory side uh, like a plate of roasted vegetables and a cannabis and herb butter dressing, tacos with cannabis guacamole and tossed linguine with a pot pesto. Now if you're interested in some of those recipes, please click the link for the story. Uh, their website is available and, and does provide that to you. Now, while cannabis infused food sounds amazing to all of us healthy-ish cannabis connoisseurs, I mean customers, consumers, excuse me, they mean so much more to the people stricken with serious painful ailments. Rochester resident Alicia Ainsworth, 49, has been battling cancer for five years and said that cannabis edibles have allowed her to live life as closely to normal as possible. In 2017, she was diagnosed, diagnosed with a rare and highly malignant cancer that metastasizes quickly. The cancer spread through her body, body and went into remission, but has returned as a stage four illness. Uh, Ainsworth's list of ailments includes nausea, anxiety, depression, pain, and a lack of appetite. And to, to combat them, she's been getting help from the 33-year-old edible maker, Rachel Levy. With Levy, she co-created what she calls Goji, Go Goji Globes, a nutritious energy snack made with oats, coconut, goji berries, walnuts, and THC-infused honey. Alicia said it's really hard for her to find foods that she can eat because the sugary, uh, the, the sugary, uh, excuse me, the surgery, I'm having trouble today, folks. The surgery affected her GI system so dramatically, and uh, she, could be ha she could eat one of those, and for the day, she feels like her pain levels are a minimum and her mood is in a perfect place. Levy, who, uh, her, her chef, who is non-binary, who is non-binary, got into creating edibles a bit over a decade ago when a friend who, uh, who has since died was diagnosed with the lung disease, cystic fibrosis, and couldn't smoke pot. Levy said, I just want to do gay weed shit and create a safe place for me and my fellow queers. This is a long article with much more information and links to recipes, so I do encourage you to read it in full when you do have an opportunity. Now, for me, I have to say I'm super fascinated by all these cannabis chefs and their ability to take their consumers on a journey through the cannabis-infused meals and snacks, as well as bring comfort to those with cancers and other illnesses where there seems not to be any other help. For me, the story really hit home because like so many of the patients that these superfood superheroes help, I lost my dad to cancer and the only thing that could help relieve his pain or give him an appetite were those old high potency bang bars that friends of ours would allegedly ship us from California. So to all you beautiful culinary food masters, cannabis culinary food masters, keep doing what you do. You're not only helping to normalize the plant, you're literally helping sick people live a quality life. Love this story. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Eat your Wheaties. This is a great story, Stone. Thanks so much for bringing it. I think it really highlights like what you're saying about the patients, the need. The one thing I'd like to say is I hope that they're addressing in this article, I haven't read it, that to, you know, the typical thing with edibles is to start with a very low dose and increase very slowly because I think a lot of people know, but not everyone, when cannabis is, goes into your stomach, it uh, then goes to your liver and it changes its form and it's significantly more psychoactive. So I hope that they're including that in that, just this article, so people are can use this wisely. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Liz. It's like people do think that edibles are the first place to start, but we do need to caution them to go slow and low. Your tolerance will increase. Um, and then lastly, Stone, I would say that cannabis edibles are an amazing thing as described and kudos to those folks for raising the game. Let's just make sure that we watch out for the people who are carpetbaggers and sidestepping plant medicine by just using distillate because it's easier. It is easier to formulate with distillate, but I think that's cutting ourselves short. We can still have great whole plant or full spectrum extracts in awesome confections as well. Yeah, no one likes a carpetbagger. 
You know, I think there's so many possibilities in fresh and healthy cannabis foods, like uh, juicing fresh cannabis leaf is not psychoactive, but apparently has amazing health benefits. And that was commonly done during the uh, Prop 215 days when there was ample leaf to be juiced. And right now, all products in the regulated market in California have to be prepackaged and shelf-stable. And so it's really not living food. So I would love to see more living cannabis food and Kudos to the chefs who make this happen. One notice, this article doesn't address how to sell those products that they're creating. They're basically creating recipes at this time and selling the recipe, uh, but they're not able to sell uh, the product of their kitchen. Thank you. Ali Muffins, did you want to weigh in? I did. I wanted to shout out the article because when we talk about terminally ill patients and those who most need access to cannabis, really the only way for them to alleviate themselves are high, high dose edibles. And I really like the warnings for the newbies, but at the same time, please explore cannabis edibles and making your own food because many of our patients here need like 500 milligrams a day and you're just never going to buy that in the store because it's too much for for folks, but uh, not for terminally ill patients. That's their only resolution. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, Guy, did did you want to do a shout out for your new product? You had a beautiful launch party this week and I tried all of your new edibles and I have to say uh, I, I feel like I I felt really good I was smiling for 24 hours but I feel like the gummies hit me like pretty quickly thank, well thank you for saying that Susan I didn't want to self-promote and you know look I'll put it this way yes we have awesome edibles but Find the science. I'm Whether you know my brand or not, if you are digging down in whole plant medicine and understanding how great edibles are created with true plant medicine roots, you'll find us. But Susan, thank you. P&B Kitchen is out there, you guys. Awesome, vegan, healthy edibles. We also have sugar-free options for those who need it. But yeah. Plant medicine, whole plant medicine is the way to go. Don't let, don't sat, don't settle for distillate products that where they're just putting THC in. They need to put the whole plant and some TLC because that's what I do, and I think that's what others really want to do as well. I'm so mad that I missed it, man. Congrats on the launch and everything. And Susan, did you feed weed to the goats? I smelled the goats, but I didn't actually see them. Yes, 100%. Congratulations, Guy. And to anyone that is experiencing with edibles, just remember that if you do take too much edibles to have a glass of whole milk and that will instantly dilute the high. Um, and coming up next, we have the founder of cannabis law firm with offices in California and New York director of the national cannabis industry association, legal publisher and author who wrote 2022 California cannabis laws and regulations, which was just released as well as a Gangier and a purple belt in high style Brazilian Jitsu. What you got today for us, Omar. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from Marijuana Moment by Kyle Jager. The headline is Treasury Secretary Blasts Congress Over Cannabis Banking. The Biden administration's Treasury Secretary says it is extremely frustrating that Congress has yet to enact marijuana banking reform legislation, adding that the department is supportive of the Bipartisan Safe Banking Act. Representative Ed Perlmutter, the sponsor of the bill, raised the issue with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen during a hearing of the House Financial Services Committee on Wednesday. He brought up the spike in violent crime targeting cannabis businesses and workers in legal states and asked to get her sentiment on this subject. Yellen didn't mince words. We have talked about it for a very long time, and I agree with you. It's an important issue, and it's an extremely frustrating one that we haven't been able to resolve it, she said, adding that she appreciates the congressman's leadership on the topic. We work with you on this bill, the secretary said. We're supportive of it. As you know, there is a conflict between state and national law. Banks trapped in the middle of that. And some legislative solution, I think, is necessary to move this forward, Yellen said. I share your frustration that we haven't been able to make progress. I think it does really require congressional action. The Safe Banking Act has passed the House six times in some form, but it's persistently stalled in the Senate under both Democratic and Republican control. While the bill would help resolve certain financial challenges that state legal cannabis businesses face under federal prohibition, Perlmutter and state officials have stressed that this is a public safety issue that demands urgent action, especially amid 
recent crime surges targeting the cash-intensive businesses. The congressman asked Yellen to impress upon the administration the need to pass the reform legislation either as part of the American Competes Act, large-scale manufacturing and innovation legislation to which it was attached in the House and which is now pending consideration by a bicameral conference committee or as a standalone bill so that nobody else dies because there's so much cash in the state markets. We would like to see that happen, Yellen replied. Perlmutter, for his part, has reiterated his commitment to getting something done before his retirement at the end of this session. He's even made a point to talk about enacting the reform legislation during committee hearings on ostensibly unrelated or wider-ranging legislation, like at a recent House Rules Committee hearing. At a recent event hosted by the American Bankers Association, the congressman said that he will continue to be a real pest and persistent in getting this done before he leaves Congress. Following the bipartisan House passage of the banking bill, Perlmutter said he naively expected it to sail through the Senate, which is always a bad assumption because nothing sails through the Senate. But he's taking pains to build support, including from current Senate leadership and that has insisted on enacting comprehensive legalization with firm equity provisions in place before advancing a bill viewed as friendly to the industry. Despite recently saying that he's confident that the Senate will take up his bill this session, the congressman recognized that while he's supportive of revisions related to criminal justice reform, taxation, research, and other issues, he knows that as we expand this thing, then we start losing votes, particularly Republican votes, and we got enough votes in the Senate to do it as is. Ahead of last month's ABA event, the financial group released a poll that it commissioned showing that a strong majority of Americans support freeing up banks to work with marijuana businesses without facing federal penalties. Meanwhile, the number of banks that report working with marijuana businesses ticked up again near the end of 2021, according to recently released federal data. It's not clear if the increase is related to congressional moves to pass a bipartisan cannabis banking reform bill, but the figures from the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, signal that financial institutions continue to feel more comfortable servicing businesses in state legal markets. My take on this, deschedule or bust. The headline is Treasury Secretary Blast Congress over Cannabis Banking. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, author, and Ganjia instructor reporting from Sebastopol in Sonoma County for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Omar, did you hear? Safe banking. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Omar, did you hear Biden slip up and say uh, reschedule to two, and then he said deschedule? The other day, I didn't hear that, but that's great news. If he corrected himself to deschedule instead of reschedule to schedule two, I think rescheduling to schedule two would uh, result in nothing meaningful because it wouldn't change 280E and it would basically give big pharma like a big up because they're the ones who are able to distribute schedule one controlled substances. Yeah, if we rescheduled to schedule two, it would destroy the, the entire infrastructure of the entire industry that we've all built. Do you really want to pay attention to all the things that Joe Biden says or mutters under his breath? Joe Joe Biden was sleep talking, bro. Come on. (laughs) I mean, Donald Trump did a lot of that sleep talking, too. So, I mean, you got to call a spade a spade. Come on, bro. Donald Trump is awake, got full of energy, like very vibrant, never stops. Come on. He's a very good good golfer. Very good golfer. Sleepy sleepy Joe, just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Donald Trump's golf game is almost on Kim Jong-un's level these days. Bro, he hit a hole in one the other day. A whole, he really did. Anyone see it? Anyone I see saw, it? I no saw witnesses? It. I saw oh, no I witnesses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely didn't see it. He's been blind since he looked did, at did it. Did he throw the ball in the hole or did he actually hit it? <laughs> he kicked he it hit, in. He hit the ball in the hole. He, he, he towed it right the in. the ball in the hole. Oh, you guys and this is why Senate can't pass safe banking or any other reform. Well, that's because, you know, a lot of these Democrats are dying on the hill on safe banking. Say it one more time, Jason. Pass safe banking already. Fuck safe banking. Already. (laughs) Okay, I guess we should relight before we move on, yeah? Let's go ahead. You are tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. 
The thoughts and opinions expressed in the State of Cannabis News Hour are those of the individual speakers, not those of any other speaker, the State of Cannabis, or its members. The statements made in the State of Cannabis News Hour do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and the State of Cannabis and its speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, or territory, or any other authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationships. The sponsorship of the State of Cannabis News Hour do not imply or constitute any endorsement by the State of Cannabis or the expressions of any of the opinions whatsoever on the part of the State of Cannabis or any of its speakers. Viewer discretion advised. Let's keep smoking the news. Let's. Our next correspondent is known to most as the communications strategist and publisher of the American Cannabis Report. But it's crazy how different he looks every time he loses the glasses and exits the nearest smoky phone booth. I just hope he knows that the cannabis industry's very own Clark Kent, your secret, will always be safe with us. Christopher Smith, what you got for us today? Thanks for protecting my secret, Rico. Good morning. Good morning, Susan and Jason. Uh, Mother's Day is just around the bend, and right on time, the universe has landed another mama bear story on my desktop, too, actually, in the last two days, and you just can't ignore that kind of coincidence. One is familiar with a bit of extra good news at the end, and the second one is brand new to me, uh, more evidence that... Cannabis is God's favorite plant and capable of miracles. And I'm not a religious guy in any way, but you'll see what I mean. Yesterday on Facebook, I received a blast from a person who feels like an old friend when you speak with her. I've mentioned her here before a couple of times, Charlotte Caldwell from Ireland. Her son, Billy, who loves Harry Potter so much, she calls him Billy the Wizard. And as you've all heard, Billy Caldwell is the boy who changed the law in the UK which finally ended prohibition there and started to allow medicinal cannabis uh, under the guidance of healthcare providers. Billy's seizures started when he was just a few months old, and they were so bad that medical professionals advised his mother to put her child out of his misery. Western-trained doctors in Ireland, they could do nothing to stop his suffering, his epilepsy, and subsequent autism. But Charlotte could, and Charlotte did, taking her little boy to the U.S. and to Canada multiple times for years at a time, during the first decade of his life to have him treated with cannabis medicine that saved his life. When British authorities seized his medicine in 2018, she fought back. She went directly to the media, who had been waiting for them to me- at the airport because 12-year-old Billy at the time was a cannabis celebrity. Everyone knew that the dreaded cannabis was keeping the boy alive. And within days, she'd gotten his medicine back. And a year later, or in, during that year, uh, the law was changed to allow patients like Billy to have access to life-saving plant medicine. Now, the British government has done a shameful job in rolling out the program to people in need there. After four years, only three people have been approved, but in the midst of their government's nonsense that makes Chuck Schumer look like a Super Bowl champion, Billy Caldwell is still standing. And it's a bit of a miracle that he is, but the news is even better than that. What I saw on Facebook is that Billy is now 16 years old, and he's been seizure-free for a whole two years. So it was happy news like a valentine. Then last night, I saw a news story, and I followed it to the YouTube video that you'll see posted here, I think, at the top. And I really think you ought to take a look at it if you can. It's only four minutes long, um, and... and You'll, you'll completely enjoy it being uh, within the industry, but I also urge you to share it with anyone who thinks you're crazy for being a cannabis advocate. It tells the story of another mama bear and her child, Papa Bear too. Uh, this is Mikkel Challenger, her husband Michael, and their son James. Mikkel says that James started having seizures when he was three and a half years old. He has Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which gave him seizures every 15 to 30 minutes. The mom was giving him 22 pills a day, even though she believed that most of them weren't really doing anything. Little James is also autistic, so his family had this devastatingly painful situation. And in fact, they thought they'd lost him more than once. But having Lennox-Gastaut syndrome made James eligible for medical cannabis in Texas. And as you'll see in the video, the change in James was almost immediate. Mom says that Two hours after his first dose, he made eye contact with his parents that he hadn't done for years. That's how sick he was. And I'm telling you, watch the video, and by the end, you might not even be able to tell how bad things used to be. Now he takes cannabis medicine from a company called Texas Original Compassionate Cultivation. And like Billy Caldwell in Ireland, James Challenger, who's now 14 years old, wears braces like any old other 14-year-old, is a world record fisherman, he says. He has been seizure-free for two years. Now, I'm not a religious guy, but Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines a miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Now, you've heard these stories and others. I defy anyone to tell me that cannabis has not performed miracles for these boys. And I'm done speaking. 
Wonderful story, Christopher. Thank you so much for sharing this. As someone who's worked with patients and has a family member with seizures also, this is huge. And though it may not seem big to some people, sometimes having that little bit of extra time with your child is enormous and it means the world. So thank you for continuing to share these stories. And I hope that the children's and parents and what the families are going through continues to help change laws across the world. Now, this is the one time when, when, when the saying, what about the children should really matter? Because this is exactly what it's about. It's all about the children and helping to make sure that, that they have a good quality of life. I know myself, I've had a seizure even myself, and I actually happened on a day that I did not consume any cannabis because I was too sick to consume any cannabis. And I woke up the next day, had a grand mal seizure in my sleep, and I was tied down on a hospital bed. I know we get caught up in uh, all the fun stories and everything every day, but at the end of the day, cannabis is medicine. And the reason why we're having all these arguments, these debates and everything is because it was brought up as medicine and it helped people get better back in the day. So I hope everybody keeps that in mind going forward. Um, we need to make sure that the um, uh, that we maintain uh, the sanctity of cannabis as medicine. It, it's not a cure-all. It, it is a miracle plant and we need to further the research so we find out even more of its um, uh, otherworldly benefits. I think it shows also how brave the parents are because I'm sure they got pushback from family members and, um, you know, but we'll do anything for our children. And, um, yeah, this is, it's so great. Thank you, Christopher. If they got pushback, I tell them go fuck their family members. What? Yeah. Like if, they, if their family is pushing back on them giving cannabis to their kid that's helping with them seizures, I tell them pretty much to go fuck themselves. Oh, okay. It's hard because it's not that easy. Sometimes you're dealing with like medical professionals, other people are afraid to lose their licenses. I mean, we've seen these people like moving, they're basically refugees and prisoners of the drug war, just even as a family. Right. A hundred percent listening. Child protective services sometimes gets involved. If there's a divorce, people use it against each other. It's, it's scary. But you'll, like I said, you'll do anything for your child. Same reason why Brittany shaved her head. And coming up next, we have, oh, yeah, here we go, folks. Coming up to the stage, we have Shalina Panu. She's an attorney at law focused on bridging the gap between cannabis, entertainment, and psychedelics. She also has an amazing IG page and is the founder of the blog, Shall We Tote. What do you have this morning for us, Shalina? Thanks so much, Jason. Good morning, everyone. My name is Shalina, and my headline for today is Recent Study Shows Psilocybin Use Lowers Odds of Using Opioids. There is an 11 DSM IV diagnostic criteria in determining opioid dependence or abuse based off of dependent variables. Some variables include the frequency of opioid use, attempts to get over the effects of opioid use, inability to set limits on opioid use, need to use more opioids than originally intended, reduced or no participation in important activities, serious issues at home, work, or school, and a few other additional variables. According to a recent study, which you can click to view here, authored by Harvard, Yale, and Columbia University researchers and published in scientific reports, states that psilocybin use showed lower chances of meeting seven out of the 11 criteria. Further, as stated in the study, psilocybin was marginally associated with lower odds of two other criteria for psilocybin dependence and abuse. 200,000 participants reported whether they had abused or been dependent on opioids and whether they've taken other psychedelics in their lifetime, such as LSD, peyote, and mescaline. What the researchers found interesting was the potential benefits with psilocybin only. However, health experts do warn that this could be simply because of the psilocybin craze happening in our culture and society, and not because other psychedelics don't provide potential benefits as well. Another study was done in 2017 that is referenced in this, in this study several times. This 2022 study, just released yesterday, was supported heavily by that 2017 study. USA Today states, studies have shown a 27% reduced risk of opioid dependence and a 40% 40 40 reduced risk of opioid abuse. The authors of the study make an interesting point speculating that psilocybin has the potential to affect the transmission of neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine, which has been linked to addiction. Researchers have stated that future clinical trials are needed to determine whether there is a causal connection between psilocybin and opioid use. They state that this study further supports a 2017 study that there is a link between psychedelics and the reduction of opioid use. However, more research still needs to be done. To the doctors and researchers in the room, what correlation have you observed between psilocybin and opioid use? My name is Shlina, and I'm reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. So it's just, what you're saying is um, drugs keep you from um, getting addicted to drugs. 
Plant medicine keeps you getting addicted from pharma drugs, perhaps. There you go. That's the better answer. Yeah. There you go. Plant drugs are better drugs, right? They shouldn't be called drugs. It's plant medicine. Dr- drugs are good, they- Susan. You just you guys keep using it as a negative connotation, <laughs> stereotyping. You never go to the drugstore? Drugs are good. Yeah, exactly. I actually <clears throat> agree with Jason there. I wanted to jump up because I think like when we're talking about addiction or depression, like all this stuff is about more than just a drug. It's about relationships and connectivity and it's like a bigger context. So like one drug doing something like without understanding all the other factors, like and all the psychedelic research, context matters, continued support matters, integration matters. I hope you mark your calendar, Victoria. What'd you say? I hope you marked your calendar. You just agreed with me. <laughs> it happened earlier too, Jason. You said, what about the children? And I was like, seriously, I agree with you. Yeah, you got to so, circle this good. date. You got to circle this date. The equinox is rising. Twice in one day. Whoa. Equinox. Look good naked. Anyways, oh <laughs> up next, <laughs> he's an OG veteran and dope dad known and respected by peers as a steadfast defender of the culture, forever ready to speak up for the rights of legacy operators. The co-founder and CEO of Pop and Barkley is coming to the stage next, y'all. So please take your seats and put your phones on Do Not Disturb. The gospel of Guy Rocord shall commence. What you got for us today, my man? Thank you, Rico. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, team. Uh, today, my article is coming out of Leafly. Definitely some federal bullshit trigger warnings, some acronyms coming your way, folks. So stand by. Coming out of Leafly, medical marijuana patients targeted by n- sneaky new federal drug testing rule. The fact that they have to be sneaky about it says it all. They're just shady. All right, so the proposed change would affect 9 million federal workers and contractors. In a proposed new revision to the federal drug testing rules, government drug warriors are specifically targeting medical marijuana patients in an attempt to undermine the legal status of medical marijuana in 38 states. Basically, this new language would be slipped into a proposed revision of the published, published in the Federal Register, and this is the physician's authorization for medical cannabis or for the, I'm sorry, specifically, a physician's authorization for a medical recommendation for a schedule one substance is no longer acceptable as an excuse for a positive drug test. In other words, the federal government is doubling down on its assistance that cannabis is a substance with no currently accepted medical use in the United States. Obviously, we know currently 38 states have legalized the medical use of cannabis. And if you were a federal worker who had popped before, you could at least show your script and have some way out. The new rule comes out in the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, S-M-A-H-S-A, another long-ass acronym, a division of the U.S. Department of Mental Health and Human Services, and most people have never heard of the S, the SAMHSA, or know of it, because the agencies is just kind of like this agency that only these people that the that are called MROs or medical review officers deal with. So these medical review officers, the MROs, stand in between companies and the federal government to review positive drug tests. And the SMHSA oversees about 9 million people employed by Uncle Sam. That includes members of the military and all federal workers. That's almost 6% of the total American workforce. Luckily, people are pushing back. Another great name, this gentleman, Justin Streakow, founder of Bullpack, which I've never heard of, but now want to support. Bullpack, a legalization group aimed at supporting legalization at the congressional level, noted that the proposed change clarifies the existing oppressive and senseless process of drug testing for trace elements of THC regardless of the worker having a physician's recommendation. They also went on to quote uh, Justin, saying that it's appalling that President Biden has done nothing to address the Reagan era reefer madness executive officer office, I'm sorry, executive order that prohibits governments from hiring qualified workers solely on the basis that they had consumed cannabis on off the clock. The Reagan era order has been never challenged. It's always been a thing. And up until recently, folks were getting away with at least pushing their recommendation to the MRO or the medical review officer. This law would get slipped in specifically stating that MROs could not accept a medical recommendation from a state if THC was flagged as a drug test. That being said, you guys, we can push back. If you want to change this, there's a public comment period on June 6th. Please read the article. It gives you all the details on how we can comment, how we can push back on this, because it is sneaky that these long acronym 
freaking government organizations that we rarely hear of can affect so many people. Six million people could be, I mean, sorry, 6% of the nation or 9 million people could be affected by this little change. So if you were in California here and you're working for the post office, this changes, boom, you lose your job, just like that. In any case, descheduler bust, I guess, is really what it always comes back down to. I'm Guy Roquart reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Thank you so much for bringing this one up, Guy. Uh, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier in the week. We should not have any government acronyms longer than three letters. What about the fours? No fours? Know. Too many. No. Is it, is it a muscle memory problem, Rico? I'm slow tipping off all foes. <laughs> NASA will become NAS. It wouldn't be NAS, Chris? No, this, I mean, this story does bring up like a, like a very, very, very fucked up thing. They're, they're going to be trying to pop folks like left and right because they have nothing else to to say bad about cannabis anymore. So they're going to try to get people up on technicalities. And um, a lot of people are going to get caught up in this shit. And a lot of people are going to lose their freedom for it, too, because they can't fight against these cases. You're going to lose their jobs. You're going to lose their freedom. And it's just to be more and more shit. This, this is the war on drugs 2.0. It has already started. You're so right. So yeah, and after so many years, you guys, I, I just don't understand where the hate comes from. I, I mean, I know that I sound totally redundant, but I've been doing this a long time. And like this kind of unleveled, devious hate, like somebody went out of their way to be like, oh, we need to put this in here because, you know, these, these guys are, you know, they're just using cannabis all over the United States. And it's like, yeah, and, and like, I, I just don't get where, like how such a beautiful plan has caused such vitriol. I really don't. I don't know what, what, what the upside is for the Bill. Follow the money. Well, Gee, you know, haters are going to hate because that's what haters do. That's what I was going to say. Exactly, Victoria. Follow the money, Gee, because, I mean, it's like it's basically the big drug company, Big Pharma, doesn't want people to have this. They don't want you to get off those opiates. They don't want you to stop paying for their big, expensive drugs. They don't want you to live. Also, drug testing is a cost in an industry. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot cheaper to go with the status quo, and a lot of these um politicians and a lot of these regulators and everything they already have contracts like decade-long contracts in place with these large companies that have and they don't want to change that like change is bad to them i I don't want to i don't want to call out the company but we had done an article about a testing company a few weeks ago and we noted that like they lose business if drug testing goes away if the feds were like oh well we don't need to test for cannabis anymore that's one less test that they're getting paid for times nine million people just saying. So you're. Yeah, I know it's about the money, guys. It just seems like why we haven't caught. It's bullshit. Before. It is bullshit. I mean, uh, Guy, like we haven't caught on to it, and we keep on falling for the same shit because we're distracted by a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter, and these people keep on getting reelected because people are scared. And then doing sneaky stuff like this, smoke screens all day. And then you look at a lot of employers, like employers are across all the states, so they're straddling all that, and they're looking at insurance, which will, you know, cancel if things have cannabis related in them. So I think there's a lot mixed up in this, which is all money. Guy, I'm really glad also that you pointed out in the article there's uh, specific information about when we can have a response period. And uh, so if we look at the article again and find out exactly when and how to do that, I think that can, uh, that can help influence this. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, absolutely. You guys, advocacy is not dead. Let's not be complacent. We still have to keep pushing and pushing. And yeah, so this, uh, it ends, it closes on June 6th. So I think it's currently open. So let's get it done. I'm going to try to do it this morning and making a note to myself. Yeah, advocacy is not over. Ali, did did you have something to say, Ali? Yes. You know, your government is super sneaky because even in the MORE Act at the beginning, it says that the federal government cannot... um, uh, discriminate against cannabis use, but when you read into the text, it says that the health secretary, and I quote, um, Secretary of Health and Human Services may continue to include marijuana for purposes of drug testing of federal employees. And so, like he says, advocacy is part of our businesses, guys. With the stroke of a pen, you could you could be stopped from earning money, uh, or with the stroke of a pen, you could make much more money, expand your market. So. All my American folks, please, please continue to uh, tell your legislators. Thank you for letting me speak. Exactly. I'll go ahead, Susan. 
I, w I wanted to add uh, the U.S. Postal Service, a lot of folks that work for the post office are veterans. Uh, my father worked for the post office. He went from being a decorated war hero, uh, he was in the Navy for 23 years, to working for the post office, and that was a huge adjustment. And I just would hate to see our postal workers have to stop to discontinue using cannabis if they're using it. Well, they are federal employees, so they're technically they're subject to federal drug laws. Can you imagine like riding around in that truck all day or, or walking around neighborhoods all day and not being high, dropping off fucking mail, not but, being can high? Can you imagine delivering all those boxes full of weed and not being able to smoke weed yourself? It ain't right. <laughs> it ain't right. All right, let's keep smoking the news. All right, coming up next to the stage, we have Liz Rogan. She is a true renaissance woman known for bringing the data and not the drama, an educator, brand strategist, healthcare consultant, and founder of the Cannabis Business Council of Santa Barbara County. What do you have today for us, Liz? Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on this beautiful Friday. My story comes from Marijuana Moment by Kyle Yeager. The headline reads, DEA says marijuana seeds are considered legal hemp as long as they don't exceed THC limit. This is a really exciting story. I hope you're excited about it, too. So attorney Shane Pennington, he sent an inquiry, an inquiry to the DEA regarding the legality of cannabis seeds, tissue culture, and other genetic material containing no less than 0.3% THC to get some clarification. On his April 4th show entitled On Drugs, the show itself is titled The Source Rule is Dead. Pennington says that this is proof that marijuana seeds, tissue cultures, and genetic material are not controlled substances. Before the enactment of the 2018 Farm Bill, the legality of any particular sample of CBD or THC depended on where it came from, its source. But now, due to legality, it only matters what the THC percentage is. In the letter dated January 6th, uh, Terrence Booz, who is the chief of DEA's uh, drug and chemical valuation section, wrote that marijuana seed that has a delta 9 THC concentration of not more than 3% on the dry weight basis meets the definition of hemp and is thus not controlled under the Controlled Substances Act. Conversely, marijuana seed having a delta 9 THC concentration more than 3.3% on a dry weight basis is controlled under Schedule 1 as marijuana. Because both hemp and cannabis seeds generally contain nominal THC levels, they wouldn't exceed the legal threshold, the DEA is essentially conceding that people can have cannabis seeds no matter how much THC the resulting plant could produce. As long as your seeds have less than 0.3% THC, you're fine. And, of course, it's um, still federally legal to use these seeds to grow. But Pennington says that this letter is significant um, because we continue to see confusion over the source rule. The argument that the legal status of a cannabis product hinges on whether it is sourced from marijuana or hemp, which influences legislation proposals even at the federal level. Pennington says now that we know the legality of the ultimate source of both hemp and marijuana plants hinges on Delta 9 THC concentration alone, reliance on the source rule is much harder to defend. And he's hopeful that this will clear up a lot of confusion in this area of law. The DEA letter also clarifies that other material that's derived or extracted from the cannabis plant, such as tissue culture, other genetic material, as long as the THC concentration, Delta 9 THC concentration is no more than 0.3%, they are uh, not controlled substances. So Matthew Zorn, who's also an attorney, made a chart to help explain this. So if you click on the link here and look in this article, it's a really good, easy chart. Uh, Pennington and his colleague, attorney Matthew Zorn, have an extensive history of litigating against the DA on cannabis and broader drug policy issues, specifically focusing on the federal monopoly on cannabis cultivation for research purposes and challenging the DEA's proposal to ban psychedelic compounds. So this is a really exciting story to me. Um, seeds are so good for so many things. It's even crazy that hemp seeds coming into the U.S. from other states had to be sterilized. And uh, just I want to let other people talk, especially our uh, very own nanograms here. So this is Liz Rogan reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. So does this mean that I get to start shipping seeds through the U.S. Post Office? I hope they're not the same seeds that you picked out of that, that booth weed that you were smoking. Yeah, no one it wants those beans, Susan. It wasn't no booth weed. It was Gorilla it Glue. It it's was amazing. Booth. And the, I'm making... Stop spoofing people with booth weed. I'm, Making blue cheese and it's amazing. So stop. Did you say boob cheese? Are you still doing that blueberry, <laughs> that delicious blueberry that you were doing before, Susan? Boy, that stuff rocks. 
Thank she you. Said, she, Susan, you said boof cheese. I said blue cheese. And it's boof amazing. Cheese. And it's auto flour, and it is so tasty. Yeah, so. auto flour, it already sounds You don't get so it. Ship, so uh, shipping seeds, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah so, but remember... So- you would have to buy them as like a souvenir and stuff. A lot of people I know would be buying seeds like over, you know, from all these great seeds companies. Oh, it's a souvenir. It's all this stuff. Like we can actually say it's a seed and maybe it won't be irradiated. And this, I this sounds like this is the, just, the, just the same market as Amsterdam style um, as far as, as the seed sales are going to be able to be uh, sold over the counter. You're still going to need to have a license, right, to sell Why do you need a license? Stuff. No. It depends. Well, Home grow. Home no, grow. you shouldn't. Yeah, all legal, right? I mean, so technically, yeah. we could be selling seeds. Don't you need a, a? Well, depends on the state. A license to sell hemp. No, not to sell seeds. You're, not, sell you're, seeds. Not, you're not. You're not. You're not growing hemp. You're just selling seeds. Selling seeds is selling seeds. I mean, that's like edible seeds. I mean, you can buy hemp seeds in the store to eat. Those right? Probably like the the D, uh, the FDA has designated those as safe. So I guess if. They're the exact same seeds, then yeah. This is major. They there, are there is big. No seeds, there is no seeds that have passed FDA, okay, first but, of all. But no okay. cannabis seeds have passed FDA. Yeah. Yeah. No, can we celebrate this? Can we celebrate? They did designate Please. certain hemp products as grass, which is why you can have, like, hemp in, as a food additive. No, you cannot have hemp as a food additive. Yes, you. I will send you the. Uh, I'll send you the announcement. Yeah, I think no you way. can now. That's the whole thing. They just made that as a big thing. Yeah, they did. Well, we go. That We're going to celebrate this moment because it is amazing. And the, I'm going to I'm going to keep moving on because we've got three minutes and I've got a story. Wait, free the uh, seeds. My story is my last comment. Free the seeds. Thank you, guys. Yes. Only grow good genetics. Don't grow that fucking boot cheese. Free the no, wait. seeds. Jason, I, I got them at a seed exchange in the Emerald Triangle at Area 101 from a master grower. So stop. Whole oh, hemp seed, power, and hemp seed oil are all okay through the FDA. So I don't know. Whole hemp seed. If I, do I get my seeds, I get my seeds from Area Fifty One. If I had, if I had a dollar for every time I heard the word master grower, or master grower was used in a sentence, I'd be a billionaire. Space okay. seeds, space seeds. Rico. Moving on, my story is about how the industry ends up between a rock and a hard place all the time. It comes from the Berkshire or Eagle, and the headline is, Neighbors Opposed the Approval of an Outdoor Cannabis Operation in North Adams, so the mayor is suing the planning board and the company. Mayor of North Adams, Jennifer Maxey, is suing the entire planning board because of a legal outdoor grow. If you've listened to the show at all before, you know that I believe the cannabis plant should be grown outside in most cases, Jason. It's better for the plant, it's better for the terps, and it's better for the planet. Quote, I'm really disappointed Mayor Maxey has chosen this path of suing a city board, said Lisa Blackmer, a member of the planning board named in this suit, and also the city council president. Quote, I think it sends a chilling message to other boards, commissions, and even greater business community. I'm not happy about it, unquote. Rustin Kluge, the company's owner, declined to comment on the legal action. The name of the company is New England Alchemy. They were approved in mid-March for a special permit to manufacture and grow cannabis outdoors. According to the article, the company plans to grow cannabis outdoors behind an eight-foot fence lined with lavender plants to minimize the odor. At the March planning board meeting, there was some debate about the smell, but the area is also zoned for industry, and the board granted the permit. Soon after, more than 30 neighbors on Davenport, Church, and Corinth Streets, and Highland Avenue nearby but not abutting the site, signed on to a petition opposing the project that they had presented to a city council meeting. They object to the project, quote, on the basis of stench and security issues, unquote. The petition says... And worry it will negatively impact their property values. Mackenzie announced she intended to challenge the application. Brian Masek, chair of the planning board, said there were few legal ways for the board to deny the, pl- the permit. The city of North Adams not long ago passed an ordinance explicitly a- allowing outdoor gro- grow facilities. The city council had a choice whether or not to explicitly allow outdoor grow facilities. He agrees with Blackmore that the legal action should have, could have a chilling effect even if it was not intended. 
Quote, it sends the message to these boards saying that you can make whatever decision you want, but if I don't like it, I can file a lawsuit, he said. There are volunteer- these are volunteers. We need these people to be part of this and care about this, unquote. So if the mayor gets her way, once again, cannabis will be taken out of the light and moved indoors. Then people will complain about how much energy is being used to grow cannabis. Can we please start treating cannabis businesses just like every other business, please. All right, we've reached the top of the show. That was a really good show. If you missed any of it, make sure to catch the replay or find us a few hours after the show anywhere you get your podcasts or on our YouTube channel. And if you like the content, please subscribe and leave a review. A big thank you to all of the correspondents that comb through all the headlines each day to bring us just what we need to know. Big thank you to Rico and Jason for co-producing the show and our pinup girl, Jaja Simone Brown. Thank you, audience, for being our eyes and ears when there's news in your city, county, state, or country. Your addition to our show makes the State of Cannabis News Hour news you can trust. Stop buying Boof Dream. And you stop buying to the State Dream. of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose. Have a great weekend, everyone. Say goodbye, Rico. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great weekend. Happy Friday. Bye. Boo-free Fridays. Fuck around and find out.